the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is pre-recorded. Opinions expressed may not reflect those of Salem Media of Colorado or its sponsors. This is Life in Colorado, a radio news magazine about the issues, events, and the unique life we live in the Centennial State. Welcome to Life in Colorado. Hi, I'm your host, Luis Gonzalez. Now, there is something I'd love to talk to you about, and that's that Denverites are no stranger to monsoon season. While the season can provide relief of summer dryness, an important way to help put yourself at ease and build confidence during an emergency is to be sure that you have a plan and are prepared to keep you and your family safe. Unfortunately, these statistics show that not everyone is as prepared as they could be. Now, according to FEMA research, despite 80% of respondents to the 2019 National Household Survey saying they had gathered enough supplies to last three or more days, just 48% said they had an emergency action plan. Now, emergency situations are especially challenging for older Americans, those aged 65 or older, and especially those who have one or more chronic conditions, such as heart disease, diabetes, or obesity. In addition, limited mobility, impaired hearing or vision, and reduced cognitive abilities that come naturally as we age can make it more difficult for older Americans to deal with serious and potentially deadly emergencies. Planning is a critical and necessary step to putting yourself at ease and outlining what you or your loved ones will do in an emergency, especially since possible disasters may vary from place to place. The National Weather Service is calling for wetter-than-normal conditions in the short term as a later-than-normal monsoon season has arrived. Now, joining us today is Dr. James Yeesh, a family medicine physician with New West Physicians, part of Optum here in the Denver metro area. Now, he will share some simple steps you can take to start an emergency action plan for your family. Welcome, Dr. Yeesh. Thank you for having me. No problem, sir. So tell us, doctor, what exactly is the Denver monsoon season and when does it typically occur? We have uh, storms that pass through all the time and flash flooding in the mountains. And right. We have snowstorms that could uh, provide emergencies. And, you know, as we all know, with the Marshall Fire and the Maui Fire recently, sure. these are pretty big events. And it's clear that a lot of people just aren't prepared for these kind of emergencies. And how exactly does the monsoons in Denver differ from other regions with monsoons? Well, they come upon you pretty quickly, and they gain steam with the thunderstorms and the hailstorms, and they can take out a lot of the um, infrastructure fairly quickly. Uh, And then you get these tight canyons that we have in the mountains, and you you can get two or three inches pretty quickly and wash out um, houses and wash out uh, again, wash out some of the infrastructure that keeps our power going, too. So you spoke about the infrastructure. Now, how do the rains affect local ecosystems and wildlife in the Denver region? Well, they have been affected by, first, we have the drought, right. which caused fires, and then we don't have the ability uh, in our forest to keep the soil, so mm-hmm. the soil uh, causes the mudslides. So that certainly affects all the uh, animals that are living in those areas. So 
they it gets them on the move. Uh, sometimes right. some big animals that uh, are start start coming out of the mountains uh, mm-hmm. to uh, get where all the people are as well. Are there any historical patterns or trends in the intensity of the monsoon season? Well, it does seem to be occurring with a little more frequency, mm-hmm. as uh, you know. We all talk about uh, climate change, sure. And you know, you know, it, I, I, sometimes it gets politicized a little bit. But right. There's no doubt that there's a, a lot of things that are changing. You know, we're having you know hurricanes in the Pacific Ocean this year, and uh, hurricanes seem to be more and more. We run through the alphabet a lot faster. Right. So you know, these same patterns and these this monsoon pattern that we get in Denver does tend to uh, bring a lot of quick changes uh, to our weather, as we all have been experiencing. And uh, would you say that some of the things you mentioned are some of the more common meteorological phenomena associated with the Denver monsoon season? They're common, certainly. Oh, okay. Uh, We have seen more and more of these uh, episodic changes, and it seems to be happening with more and more frequency. So tell us, Dr. Geesh, what is the essential information we should have on hand in case of an emergency, or just have on hand at any time. Yeah, that, that one of the things that, that became evident during the like the Marshall Fire and, and floods are no, you know, provide a similar type of emergency is people just couldn't get all this stuff together fast enough. So it's good to have it all in the same place, like mm-hmm. your social security card, your passports, wills and power of attorney, your healthcare proxies, birth certificates, marriage certificates, car title, home deed. Mm. Digitalize uh, perhaps your the videos and pictures because a lot of people lost all that and you know floods whether it be in Lyons or you know the fires in the uh, the Marshall Fire or in right. Maui you know these things come upon you so fast mm-hmm. and if you don't have these readily available we we always tell people to have a, a we talk about a safe but sometimes safe you you can't just carry those around but right. having a, a waterproof and fireproof box of some sort that's uh, ready, accessible, and has most of the information that you need, and a good backpack that you can stuff those things into, sure. I think it's, uh, it's a good thing to do. And make sure that you have your driver's license, your state-issued ID, your health insurance cards, and easy access to 401k information and IRA statements and life insurance policies, and even tax returns. It's good to kind of have these in a place where you know how to get at them, either digitally or uh, hard copies. Absolutely. Just have them ready in some sort of some sort of bag or some sort of uh, a briefcase that you could just carry with you at any time. Yeah, if you that, have them in yeah in in close uh, proximity mm-hmm. to all all this information in close close proximity, whether it be in a den right. or uh, again that uh, waterproof or fireproof mm-hmm. safe, yeah. you can quickly kind of stash that in a bag of some sort and get in the car and get out of there if you if it that's what's needed. Or, like I said, a backpack is kind of good because you literally could strap it on your back and be on your way if, uh, right. if your way is blocked for your car. So, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of different ways that uh, you have to be prepared, and, and that's part of what this conversation is about, is making sure that you are prepared for any eventuality. Right. Plus, it's always good to just have those things kind of in one place, really, uh, instead of just having your birth certificate or whatever important document just sort of, you know, laying around. Yes, that's correct. It's Have it know, know where it is so you can get access to it quickly. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. So, Doctor, what else can we be doing now to prepare ourselves before a disaster happens? 
there's a few things that can be done. One is to get a friend or relative who lives outside your general area or immediate mm-hmm. area to be your family's out-of-town contact. Sure. Uh, have safe places in your house uh, that you uh, can separate if someone is sick. Uh, have two emergency meeting places outside your home where your family can reunite after the emergency because we find that happens a lot. That And you, you hear that on the news. You know, there's people that aren't accounted for, and that's, um, you know, they may be safe, but they have no way of letting anybody know that they're safe. Right. Uh, even getting out of your home and in, in the event of a flood, your passageway, your normal hallways may be blocked for whatever reason. And, you know, you, you want to have at least a couple ways to get out, even if you have to get a rollaway ladder to store under the bed to go out a window if you have to. So these are all things that you should think about and maybe even practice. Right. Uh, you, you know, if you have animals, you might want to know where the maybe boarding facilities are. Sure. Um, if you're, you know, we're often separated during emergencies. You know, it may be happening while the kids are at school, and mm-hmm. you need to know what the school's uh, plan is, uh, of their emergency plan, uh, with how you're going to get them, how you're going to uh, work out the reunification with the family uh, after uh, the emergency passes or is in the process of passing. Now, as for our little ones, I mean, are there specific drills that we can try and practice with them? Yes, and that's something that people don't want to do because they're like, well, if huh. I practice, maybe it'll happen. If I don't practice, mm. hopefully it won't happen. You know? Sure. You, you know, nobody, nobody anticipates an emergency, but if you're prepared for it when it comes, you're going to be way more equipped to, to manage it. Even with the little ones, you know, obviously babies, uh, they're going to require – you know, a lot of your attention, but, you know, your, uh, you know, uh, grade school kids or your middle school kids and high school kids are, are going to actually be quite helpful in that situation if they have at least some idea what the plan is when these emergencies occur. Tell me, doctor, are there any ongoing research projects or studies focused on understanding and predicting Denver's monsoon season? But there is always that happening. And, you know, we always joked about Denver weather that whatever they say is probably happening somewhere. Yes, they are trying to predict that. But, you know, this is a very fluid situation. And, you know, National Weather Service uh, is getting better and better at predicting such things. Uh, So, you know, it's a good idea to to have a weather forecast that you trust. Uh, Radio is is a good way to find these things out, too. And, you know, I think uh, everybody's doing a little better with that uh, after the, again, the Marshall fire, I bring that up because Mm -hmm. people had no idea what was going on. And now there is a way uh, that you can get connected for the emergency alerts and notifications uh, that wasn't really quite uh, up to where it needed to be uh, during that fire. And I think more and more communities are going to start doing that. So, in answer to your question, yes, we're working, you know, there's always ongoing um, uh, research to try to give people more notice when such things are going to happen. Now, you know, right. again, that you can't do that in all cases, but we're getting better at that. And, uh, you know, just like we, we always get those annoying things on the radio where sure. there's an emergency broadcasting system. Right. Uh, those actually are very good. <laughs> you know, and radio yeah. is something that uh, – that stays with you better than your computers or your social media or whatever, you know, because you get you're going to get the truth uh, mm-hmm. uh, through those that system. So, uh, you know, it's a it's a multiple pronged approach to trying to avoid 
uh, loss of life and, uh, you know, loss of, well, loss of as much as possible to uh, to prepare us for these uh, emergencies and prevent that. Speaking with me today is Dr. James Yeesh, a family medicine physician with New West Physicians, part of Optum here in the Denver metro area. Well, you know, let me get to something that uh, certainly you're familiar with, more familiar with. How can we protect our health should there be a monsoon or any other emergency? Well, it can be complicated if you're elderly and right. you've got a lot of equipment. You're on oxygen. You may have uh, a lot of testing you do for diabetes, et cetera. So you want to make sure that you uh, have all your equipment to do to take care of yourself uh, in the event of emergency. Make sure that you can have quick access and a way to travel with your oxygen and your CPAP equipment. If you have an EpiPen because of allergies, have that available. Right. Prescription eyeglasses, wheelchairs, walkers, hearing aids, contact lens solutions, you know, the blood sugar monitors, nasal cannulas, catheters, syringes, all those things that you need that you kind of take for granted because they have become such a part of your normal life that you don't even realize that you need them until you're away from them and you are... Uh, struggling to breathe or struggling without the oxygen or the CPAP, et cetera. So, yeah, we we have to um, have a kind of a plan when these emergencies happen to make sure that we don't get in those situations where we don't have those supplies. You know, like for, you know, just for a baby, those of us that travel with babies, sure. in my case, grandchildren, you realize just how many things that they have, mm, Right. you know, whether it be diapers and food and formula or uh, you know, or your, even your pets, you know, if your pets are on medicine or they uh, need food, obviously. Your prescription medications, too many times, uh, you know, people in an emergency don't get their medicine because, again, it's not in their routine, so they forget them. So have those in a place. You can kind of dump those in that bag pretty quick, too, so that you have those available uh, moving forward. And, you know, within the first 72 to hours to seven days, you should have really enough emergency food and water supply and, you know, specialty foods if needed. You know, if you have a special diet like you're gluten-free or, you know, there's things that you're allergic to, you want to right. make sure that you have thoughts on how to prevent having any kind of bad reactions from getting food that is uh, that you might have a food sensitivity to. And also, if we have some uh, designated evacuation route, uh, identify emergency departments, urgent care centers. Things of that sort? Yes. Uh, you know, if you have an idea what your route is, it's a good idea to kind of know, okay, there's an urgent care center, you know, six blocks down that way. There's mm -hmm. an ER over here. There's a hospital here. And know those phone numbers, too, your, your uh, doctor's phone numbers. And uh, the have, um, you know, those meeting places are, are really important, too. So you avoid that confusion that, you don't know what your loved one or where they are because, you know, again, we're separated a lot of times during uh, emergencies when these things happen. Right. And um, make sure there's multiple ways to communicate. Uh, in, in many cases, text messaging uh, will go through when phone calls do not. You know, the phone calls may get uh, flooded uh, and text messaging may go through so you can at least uh, give a proof that everything is okay, at least uh, uh, initially uh, when people are very concerned and can't get a hold of you. Sure. We get the EAS. Uh, they're telling us that something horrible is coming along our way. We've got our uh, things in our backpack. All right, what else should we prepare for? The Probably the biggest thing is um, 
you prepare for blackout for mm, sure. Okay. Uh, so I, I, I think uh, getting like headlamps for the family is a good idea. Right. Make sure you check all the batteries in the flashlight. Um, the, you know, you're you're going to be if you, if you're if you're not having to leave and you have a generator, make sure everybody knows how to, knows how to use that generator because these are. You know, it can be life-saving, get your lights on, you know, get your refrigerator running. Mm-hmm. If you're obviously having to evacuate, then that's a whole different thing. And, you know, how much do you take? I mean, you've got to take enough to survive for sure. Right. And you, um, one of the things, again, that happened after the Marshall fires, it, uh, you know, a lot of people in the Louisville Superior area started uh, going through a list of things. That, okay, what what can I take, you know, and you have to skinny that down. Obviously you're, you're not going to be taking, you know, crates and crates of stuff sure, in an emergency. Right. It's, it's pretty much backpack and what you can carry by hand. So these are, um, these are sometimes difficult decisions, but you know, you're, when it comes to the, the point when it's life, life threatening. Um, the other thing that I want to say about that is, you know, we have uh, during, I think COVID we've kind of moved inward and we don't get to know our neighbors as much. And, I mean, I think that's also something mm. that has been lost in modern society. You know, there may be an you know, older older gentleman down the street that you're afraid of, and right. he may be uh, he he may be a great source, and uh, you know, he might be a pretty darn nice guy. And yeah. when you get thrown together, it's kind of nice to know who can count on who in your neighborhood. So I would suggest that people really get to know their neighbors a little bit within reason, uh, and because I think you know, in a in a crisis you're going to all be drawn very close. That's for sure. Absolutely. So you're telling us to sort of um, go beyond the home casserole that we uh, bring to a new neighbor who just moved in. Maybe form (laughs) a connection beyond that. (laughs) I think you form some good connection. Now, some people aren't going to be into that, but I think most people um, are, you know, the human, human beings inherently want to uh, want to get together with other human beings. And, and I think, nothing brings that out more than a crisis. So I think if you, if you at least have uh, bridge those gaps uh, early on, I think you'll find that uh, number one, you'll make for a nicer neighborhood, but sure. in the case of an emergency, you'll also uh, have the opportunity to, uh, you know, work together and know what each other's strengths are. Uh, how else can we stay connected when something like this may happen? These are, and and it is a challenge. I, I don't want to make it sound too simple. Again, when emergencies happen, you know, your kids may be in school. You may mm-hmm. be, you know, somewhere else on the other side of the state. You know, heaven knows we have, you know, our kids in all these different activities. Right. And, you know, a lot of different things going on. But, you know, I think that if we rely on, to some degree, uh, there's media, like I said, such such as radio, where we can get some of this information and getting on this uh, wireless emergency alerts, uh, a lot of smartphones have that, where you can get these wireless emergency alerts that uh, you may not be able to get a phone call, but at least uh, you're, you're going to be able to get some of that information to uh, know exactly what's going on. Because I think if you're not informed, that makes it even worse. Yes. Because, you know, that that increases the stress and increases mm-hmm. your your anxiety and and you just don't think straight when you do that and you're apt to do things that maybe don't make great sense it's kind of like we always joke about 
all the bad decisions people make in a horror movie, you know? Right, yeah. Like, uh, it's kind of like that. In a crisis, you're more apt to make a bad decision if you're uh, missing information. So it's really, really important that we uh, work on ways to make sure that we stay informed, particularly, you know, to try to get back together with family. All right. I am here with Dr. James Yeesh, a family medicine physician with New West Physicians, part of Otham here in the Denver metro area. Now, doctor, are there any local initiatives or programs aimed at educating residents about the monsoon season and its significance? There are, you know, a lot of um, different organizations work on these sort of things uh, for the, you know, and I don't mean like amateur weather uh, people, but, you know, a lot of the um, weather people, if you reach out to them, Mm -hmm. they, do uh, provide programs sometimes that uh, help you to understand these weather patterns. Uh, I was fortunate to take a meteorology class in college. It was one of the funnest classes I've ever, I ever took, you know, pre-med classes generally aren't, aren't necessarily considered fun, (laughs) Right. but the meteorology class was, was just outstanding. And it, it, gave me an appreciation for weather people because, you know, I, I always thought I'd just stand there in front of a blue screen and, <laughs> and go through those things. Right. It looked pretty, do you it. You know, they, yeah. they're actually, they're, they're quite trained individuals, and mm-hmm. they are always working on ways to, you know, figure out how to uh, predict, obviously predict the weather. That's kind of their, their thing. But, right. Um, and I think uh, many of them do offer some of the programs so that we can start to understand some of these things that may be associated with climate change. Uh, and, you know, there's different things. I, I think a museum may offer that too, but there are uh, so many different ways you can learn. Even online, there's uh, ways you can learn more about how these things are occurring and how the weather patterns may be changing and how they may affect us in the long run. Now, Doctor, you mentioned earlier about if someone isn't prepared to take the steps that they need to in order to get out of an emergency situation like this, it can be very stressful. Tell me, what are some of the best ways to help you and your family stay calm and confident during something like this? Well, social networks are helpful. Okay. Uh, Getting involved with the community, as I said, and getting to know your neighbors. Right. Uh, Take care of yourself physically and mentally. The population that we worry about the most probably would be the elderly because of physical limitations. And again, with the mental limitations sometimes as well. So you, if you go over these things, these uh, practices of what are we going to do in emergency? And then you can kind of uh, refresh your old practical skills and gain confidence in your capability to respond quickly in a crisis and, and keep learning, you know, keep learning about, Uh, other things that may be good to have uh, that you really would like to have. Uh, You know, I mentioned the generators, and I think more and more people are starting to get generators. And I think a lot of people, you know, in in the mountains probably are better that than than us uh, down here in the the front range. But I think it's important for us is, you know, again, the way we saw the wildfires or these floods. uh, If you live in a canyon, you know, you need to figure out how to get to higher ground in a hurry because you get a flash flood with these one of these monsoons. Right. And your house is gone before you, Mm. you know, before you even know it. So uh, I, I would encourage people to talk about it first and then 
uh, work on an emergency action plan and make sure that everybody, even the the younger kids, have phone numbers of every all the other family. Now, you know, a lot of people have it in their phones, but they may want to have it in other places too. Uh, maybe have a lot of that information that I mentioned, copies of it in different places, so that if if, if everything is lost, you at least have a backup. So people are, you know, aware of these things, and right. every time there's an emergency, I think we perhaps improve a little bit. You mm-hmm. know, it doesn't help the people that had to suffer through that emergency when they did, but it is pretty nice when you get into that situation, say, we got this, you know, and your your family says, okay, everybody has their task to do, um, you know, and, and you can divide up tasks for, you know, you have older kids or, you know, older uh, family members in the house that uh, you take care of each other. And, you know, that goes for the neighborhood too. I, I don't know whether people are, you know, getting together and getting their neighbors to work on stuff like this. But if you take care of your own and at least know your neighbors, I think it'll go a long way to uh, relieving a lot of that stress that uh, you would feel in a crisis. So, Doctor, we're coming up on time. I'm here today with Dr. James Yeesh, a family medicine physician with New West Physicians, part of Optum here in the Denver metro area. What are some of the basic tools, supplies, and equipment that are needed during an emergency that can be used? Yeah, some medical supplies you want to do, first aid supplies. Uh, obviously, EMS is going to be overwhelmed in, in these situations. Right. But you want to have maybe some tweezers and scissors, uh, non-latex gloves, uh, thermometer, waterproof bandages and gauze, mm-hmm. antibiotic cream and ointment. And again, I mentioned the prescription meds. Make sure that uh, you, you know how to pull those all together in a hurry to make sure that you have them all available as you move forward. Uh, these are, uh, you know, it may be critical, if, particularly if, you know, there's water moving and something moves across and, and you get a laceration of some sort, mm. getting these waterproof bandages and gauze to stop that bleeding until you can get the person or yourself to EMS may be critical, may be life-saving, actually. All right, well, Doctor, thanks again for uh, giving us all these tips and for being a part of life in Colorado. If you have questions or comments about today's program, please call 303-750-5687 or email us at lifeincolorado at salemdenver.com. Life in Colorado is a public affairs presentation of Salem Media of Colorado. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.